pass out some of these. Or, or David, there's David. Look, got him. There you go. That's a little guide for you to go with. I'll try to have you something each time. Uh, a couple of words about spiritual gifts before, as we get started. Uh, I taught spiritual gifts when I first came here about 15 years ago on Sunday night because it's so important to me for us to be able to uh, know what our spiritual gift is. One of the most liberating things that happened to me in my spiritual journey was whenever the Lord allowed me to come to understand what my spiritual gift, the motivational gift is, and, and what my ministry gifts were, and those things can change back and forth, and what manifestation gifts were. And, and therefore, that's my approach to how I teach spiritual gifts. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I believe there are three categories of gifts, and motivational gifts being one, and ministry gifts being another, and manifestation gifts being the third. And when I learned about spiritual gifts, and I learned what my spiritual gift was, it helped me to understand why I did what I did, <laughs> why I did what I did, why I enjoyed doing what I was doing, what brought pleasure to me. It also helped me to understand other believers. Sometimes why I, there would be a sense of conflict or, or, or you kind of rub each other wrong, you know, and say, well, I just don't like him or he don't like me and it doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just your spiritual gift is, is rubbing against each other. And, and why does your spiritual gift rub against each other? So that it makes you better. As iron sharpens iron, what? So one person sharpens another. And so God helped us to understand that. And, and as we go through spiritual gifts, you'll understand that more about that as well. So it was a very important thing for me to be able to learn about spiritual gifts. And so I've made a, a commitment as much as I can to teach about that so that people can understand their spiritual gifts. And I did it when I did it before, I did it from a preaching setting. And preaching settings different because mostly nobody interrupts the preacher as far as this, let the preacher preach. But tonight I want to do it from a... Yeah. Well, other than Jake, that most people don't, most people don't interrupt the preacher. Other than Jake, I'm sorry, Jake, I'm bad to make that exception. But, uh, but in a in a teaching setting like we are tonight, then it, there's the freedom to ask a question or make a comment to do. If it's a, you know, sometimes whenever we're preaching, we think we're we think we're explaining it really well. That's because we already know what we're supposed to be saying. We might not be explaining it nearly as well as we thought we were. But in a teaching setting, if you don't understand something or you have a comment about something, then that's, that's a freedom to do that because we want you to understand. We want you to grasp that. If you have a confusion about something, we'll try to, try to help you to understand those things. And so tonight we're just going to, if you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is one of those places where you find spiritual gifts talked about in, in pretty great detail. And I want you to see how he introduces that. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Now, if you'll notice in your Bible, most of your translations, that word gift is going to be in italics. You see, it's, it's, it's on a different uh, font than the rest of it. Is yours that way? Is your Bible that way? And The reason that that word gifts is, is in a, italics or font is because it's not, it's not literally in the text. It, it's implied that it's in the text, and so the translator adds it to the text to give it clear meaning. 
But literally what it says, now concerning spirituals, <laughs> now concerning the spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. He said there, there's something that you need to know about the spiritual work and how God has put things together in the spiritual world, working in you that you need to be aware of. And he goes on down here in verse 4, and he, he identifies those three types of spirituals that he wants to talk about. He says, now there are a variety, here's that word, of gifts, but the same Spirit. Look at verse 5. There are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. And verse 6. And there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Verse 7 as well. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Right? So he says, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about the spirituals. And in these spirituals, there are the spiritual gifts that God gives. And, and, and everybody's got a spiritual gift. We'll see that. And then he says, as the spiritual gifts are exercised, there are ministries that you're going to fulfill, things that you're going to do. And then he says that as you are using your gift, to fulfill a ministry, then there are going to be manifestations that are going to take place in the hearts of people as you exercise your gift. We identify it as a motivation gift, is who we are, that spiritual gift. The ministry gifts is what we do with our motivational gift. And the manifestation gift is what happens in the heart of a person. It can be the person who's using that gift, or it can be the heart of the person who is receiving that gift. There's some manifestation of God's Spirit. Something takes place in our hearts and lives. You, you've had that experience before. You, you've had it whenever, uh, I, whenever you got saved. Uh, let's use that experience. When you got saved, God used a preacher or teacher or your parent or somebody who came along and who used their gift to share the gospel with you. And inside of you, there came this, this pounding of your heart and there came this uh, sense of God speaking to your, your in-depth being. And, and there's just something took place in you that brought you to the place of salvation. That, that happened inside of you. It was something they were using their gifts to do to produce inside of you. That's the manifestation gifts. And those happen to everybody. It ought to be happening all the time we gather together because we ought to all be using our gifts. And as we're all using our gifts, the manifestation gifts are happening in everybody. Different manifestation, different things that you're going to need at times. Well, in the Word of God, we're going to be able to identify each one of those things, motivational gifts and a ministry gifts and a manifestation gifts. But the reality of it is we know that there are gifts. There are spiritual gifts. So let's look and let's try to answer some questions about those spiritual gifts. Here's the first question that we'd ask is, what is a spiritual gift? Now, this is very important for you to grasp this and understand it, okay? What is a spiritual gift? It is a spiritual gift is a God-given enablement so the recipient can perform a function in the body of Christ with ease and effectiveness. Here's the first part about spiritual gifts. Please understand this. Spiritual gifts is what God has given to you an enablement. God imparted to you an enablement that enables you to do something in the body of Christ. 
And as you do that in the body of Christ and function in the body of Christ, you'll find that this particular thing that God's gifted you to do, it is easy for you to do. You don't really have to work at it a whole lot. And it brings a lot of fulfillment in your life, and you're usually effective at that. But it's a God-given enablement. It's not something that you were born with physically. Whenever you came into the world, you weren't born with it. You're given it at another time. So the difference in spiritual gifts and, say, natural gifts are, say, talents. What's the difference in that? Well, a, a talent is something that somebody has in their own makeup. They're, God just gave that to them. It's not something that they got because they were born again or because they were a Christian. They just were able to do that. I've heard people say this about others. Say, Man, they have the spiritual gift of playing the piano. No, they have a talent of playing the piano. Okay, They have the talent of playing the piano, but that's not a spiritual gift. In other words, they weren't able to play the piano, then they got saved, and all of a sudden they could play the piano. It doesn't happen that way. If it did, I'd like to get saved again so I could play the piano. I've always wanted to play the piano, all right? It's not that. Talents are different than spiritual gifts. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. It is a God-enabled, it's something you did not have, but God imparted to you, and it is imparted to you that you used it in the body of Christ, and you're going to find that it is easy for you to do it. It's just a natural thing for you to do it, and you're going to be effective at what you're doing. Okay, not because of who you are, because of who the Spirit of God is using you. It's His gift. It's the Spirit's gift in you, causing that to happen to be a blessing to somebody else. Let me give you an illustration about that. When I was, I was called to preach, all right, as I was called to preach, when I was called to preach, I, my pastor was one of those, well, I was called to ministry. I didn't really know if I was called to preach or not. I, I didn't know if I was going to be a music director or a youth minister or whatever. But my pastor was one, whenever you, you felt called to ministry, um, he wants you to preach. So whenever I got called, uh, April 15th, I made my public decision for ministry on May the 30th. When I got home from college, I preached my first sermon that Sunday night. You know, And, and the interesting thing about that is whenever I sat down, I, I didn't, I wasn't from a preacher family. There's not any Amoses that are preachers. I'm probably the only Amos that I know of that starts with an I, has an I in it that's a preacher. If there are others, I don't know them, okay? Certainly wasn't my daddy wasn't a preacher. <laughs> anything. So I didn't know anything about preaching. I, I didn't know anything about sermon books, you know, and there were, there were sermon outlined. No, nobody ever told me that. All I did is whenever I, he told me he wanted me to preach, I just took the Bible and read it, and I just prayed and said, Dear God, help me to know how to, help me to, know how to preach this. Help me to understand this. I mean, I'm literally, that's exactly what it is. And, and whenever I preached on that Sunday night, it just, it just flowed out of me. I just, I mean, it just, I, I preached for 35 minutes. You know, everybody said you preach five minutes, preach 32 sermons. I, I just preached and preached. And, and, and the amazing thing is when I sat down, I, I sat down, and in my heart I said, that's what God's called me to do. I knew that's what God called me to do, is to preach. Because it was such, it was easy to do, and, and it was something that I knew that, I, I, it wasn't me that did I, I'm really shy, and by nature I'm shy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand up. Whenever God called me to preach, I battled with the Lord for weeks because I didn't know how I could do it. Because I, I, I didn't want to talk in front of people, didn't want to speak in front of the people, and I couldn't imagine getting up and preaching. And even to this day, uh, preaching is easy to me, the worst thing, hardest thing I have in the whole 
thing of ministry is giving announcements. Doing the welcome and giving announcements. That makes me so nervous to do that kind of stuff, you know, because it ain't anything to do with preaching. And so I, I just send somebody else, you somebody else do the announcements, somebody else welcome everybody and just let me preach. So tell me, get up when it's time to go preach. You know, that's, well, that wasn't a talent I had. It wasn't an ability I had. It's something God imparted to me, okay? He imparted to me. He called me to do that. That's what happens with spiritual gifts. It's an enablement that God gives to you. Now, notice what it says. What is the difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and a spiritual gift? Think about that. What is the difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and a spiritual gift? Who has their Bible there to Acts chapter 2, verse, 28, verse 38? Somebody look at that up in just a minute. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Whoever has it, just read it out for us loud so everybody can hear it. Anybody got it? Yes. It doesn't matter. Just read, read it. I'll, go ahead, Rach. Go ahead. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When you have repented of your sin, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit is God taking up residence in the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is that when you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came and took residence in your life. He took residence in your heart. And here's the great thing about it. Whenever he took residence in your heart, he promised he would never leave you. You, you, you can't be bad and so bad he would leave you. He promised he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be in your heart. Okay. So the, the greatest gift that God ever gave to you is salvation. And by means of salvation, you receive the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Do you know what happened when that happened? You know what happened when it took place in your life? You got restored. You were restored to what God intended you to be. See, whenever, man, whenever Adam and Eve, they, they were made in the image of God, and God's Spirit indwelt them because they were perfect. They didn't have any sin in their life. The Spirit of God was in fellowship with their spirit. But whenever they sinned, what happened? The Spirit of God departed from them because of their sin, and they were dead in their spirit. Because God had departed from their spirit. Well, what happens when you get saved? When you get saved, the Holy Spirit returns to your life. What an amazing thing that you get restored. The glory of God is restored in your heart. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. So then, what is it? A spiritual gift. That spiritual gift is a special enablement which occurs as a result of the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when the Holy Spirit came into your life to take rest of your life, He brings gifts. He brings, he brings a gift to you. And, and why does He bring that gift to you? Because He wants you to do something in the kingdom of God. Did y'all hear that? I know I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd. He gave us gifts to do something. I mean, a lot, a lot of us Christians never get the joy 
of our salvation because we don't do anything with what God gives us. And He gave it to us to do something for the body of Christ and for us as well. So when you got saved and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, He brought to you a gift. Brought to you a gift. Look, look at the next one. Who gives spiritual gifts and who receives them? Somebody look there or read for me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 and 18. That's the answer of the first one. God is the giver of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 and 18. Who's got that? Okay. All right. So who is the one who determines the spiritual gift? Did you get to go look on a chart and say, I want that one? Did did y'all do that and say, I want this? No. You weren't the one who chose your spiritual gift. It is God who is the giver of spiritual gifts just as He desires. Just, Just as He wants. Now, that'll help us down the road when we start talking a little bit more about spiritual gifts. It means that we're not supposed to be jealous of each other. Well, I sure would like to have their gift. And I'd like to be, I don't know why God didn't give me that gift. You know? You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be thankful for what? For what gift God gave you. And to exercise that gift. And He has a purpose in how He gave you that gift. And, and you're just as pleasing to God. Matter of fact, you may be more important in the kingdom of God. It says Paul in one of his, his texts says, I mean, more important, the kingdom of God, when you're not the one getting all the attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm thankful that everybody doesn't have my gift. I never would get to preach. Everybody would be preaching the whole time. We'd have to all be lined up, you know, to preach, that kind of thing. No, yeah, never jealous of somebody else's gift. Never concerned about it. Just find the gift that God gave you and learn to exercise it. Now look, the other question is, who receives them? This is that passage in Acts 2.38, Jake read to us. Once you have repented and put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're a child of God, and receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So who is it that receives this gift are those spiritual gifts, it's a believer. Lost people, lost people don't have spiritual gifts. They may have talents all day long. Okay? They may have abilities beyond what we could ever imagine. And, and there are people in the world are lost out there. they got all kinds of talents, all kinds of abilities, do all kinds of things. But they don't have spiritual gifts. The spiritual gift is imparted to a child of God who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, imparted by the Spirit of God. Now, here's another question. Does every Christian have a spiritual gift? I've had people ask that before. I don't think I have a spiritual gift. I think I got left out of spiritual gifts. Oh, that's not true. Look, does every Christian have a spiritual gift? The answer is yes. Every believer has at least one. <laughs> All right? Every believer has one gift. Here's four points about that. First thing, 
That spiritual gift is given to his or her spiritual gift when he is, once again, born again. Now, I was born again at seven, at seven years of age, okay? So at seven years of age, I believe at that time, God imparted to me the spiritual gift he chose for me. It wasn't until it wasn't years later that I began to understand spiritual gifts, began to exercise that gift and did what God had called on me to do. But I believe at the age of seven, God already knew what he had called me to do, what he ordained for me to do. He knew that while I was yet in my mother's womb, he told Jeremiah, right? He knew what I was called to do, and he imparted that gift to me to be used in due season. Look at the second thing. Each spiritual gift is needed in the body of Christ. Somebody read 1 Corinthians 12, 14. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. Every, every spiritual gift is needed in the body of Christ. Somebody read that. All right. The body of Christ is not one member, but what? But many. And all of us functioning together. All of us doing our part. So a spiritual gift is needed in the body of Christ. Three. God determines which spiritual gift is given. Once again, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. You should look that up when you get home. Kim read it a while ago. Number four, there is a distinction between natural abilities and talents and spiritual gifts. Listen to this distinction. Natural ability produces temporal achievements. What, what achievements? Temporal achievements while spiritual gifts produce eternal achievements. The Spirit of God, who's the eternal God, using His gift in our lives, is focused on eternity. Something that lasts. Something that's eternal, just like He is. So in relationship to spiritual gifts, we all have one given to us by God, needed in the body of Christ, Received it when we were born again. It's not a talent. It's not a natural ability. It's a God-given enablement for us. Now on the next page. Can a person lose his spiritual gift? Can a person lose his spiritual gift? The Bible indicates that a person's spiritual gift is given when that person is saved. All right. When do you get your spiritual gift? When you got saved. You got it. This would seem to say that since a believer can never lose the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, then he can never lose his spiritual gift. In other words, if the Spirit of God has imparted me a gift, as long as the Holy Spirit's still in me, I'm still being imparted that same gift. All right? And the only way that I would lose my gift is I'd lose the Holy Spirit. And what did he say in John 16? He promised us that the Holy Spirit would come and he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said it in John 14, John 16, that we don't have to worry about when the Holy Spirit takes residence, he's there forever. Amen? I know it's a rough ride for him in my life sometimes. It's like, Holy Spirit like, man, I'd like to get out of here. I'd like to crawl out of here. Yeah, Jake. Absolutely.
Well, you got to remember in the Old Testament, there's a difference between how the Holy Spirit enables people in the Old Testament than they are in the New Testament, because it's pre-cross. In other words, the cross had to happen, and salvation had to happen to make us clean, where we can receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in His residence, for Him to be a resident there. In the Old Testament, He came as an enablement, or He came as an anointing to accomplish the purposes of God in those people whether that would be a Samson who is a superman of God, or whether it be a David who's a king or a prophet, or whoever, there's a purpose in why they have. Now, those men were still saved. Saul was saved, even though he made wicked and ungodly decisions. Because you remember whenever he called up at the woman of Endor, he had to call, call her up and, and, and talk to the prophet, and the prophet said, you will be with me today. Now, that was an announcement that you're about to die. You're going to die, you and your son, but you will be with me. Well, wait a minute. He said, you're going to be with who? You're going to be with this prophet. Where's the prophet? The prophet's in the bosom of Abraham. He's, he's in the place of the righteous dead. So he, he says, absolutely. Quench the spirit, too. We do that quite often. Grieving the spirit and quenching the spirit. We do that quite often. Now, look. Right here. Can a person lose his spiritual gift? No. Don't think you can lose your spiritual gift. Now, I've heard people say, well, yeah, but you know what about that thing? If you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. You don't use it, you lose it. Well, that's not true in regard to spiritual gifts, okay? We'll talk about what happens when you don't use it, you know. But it was not something that you established, you received, you did. It's something God gave to you. Now, look at the next thing. What if I do not use my spiritual gift? What if I do not use my spiritual gift? You will weaken the body of Christ which needs you to discover and use your gift. Somebody have in your Bible there, First um, Peter chapter 4, I think it's verse 10. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, I think it's verse 10. Somebody find that? Okay, read that one more time. Listen to what it says very carefully. Okay, so God gives you a gift to be a blessing to the body of Christ. I mean, you're here to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Yes, kid. Say it again. And that's talking about your spiritual gift. Okay. That's good. That's real good. Yeah, that's good. I like that too. If you don't use your spiritual gift, the body of Christ that you're a part of is not going to be nearly as effective and strong as it ought to be. It's going to be like losing a limb. <laughs> it's like losing the capability that you have. You're part of the body of Christ. As you use your gift, the body's strong. The body accomplishes what it's supposed to be. And, and we always think, well, I'm, I'll just do what I'm going to do. I'm not hurting anybody. It's just me. Mm-mm, that's not true. If you're part of the body of Christ, 
If you're not doing what you need to do and use your spiritual gift, you are hindering that body that you're a part of. And, and an important thing about that, remember this, please. We're, we should be members of a church because we believe that's where God called us to be. We got, God called us to be there. If you join a fellowship, it's because God called you to be there because your spiritual gift and what you bring to that church is needed by that church. Okay, is needed by that church. And, and therefore, you come in and say, well, I want to do whatever I can do in using my gift so that our church is adequate. It's strong. We're not limping around, barely making it on life support. I, I want to use my... And if we do not use our gifts, then we're not going to be nearly as effective as the body of Christ that we need to be. Here's another thing, though. You are affected in that you miss a deeper level of fulfillment and joy that occurs in the exercising of your spiritual gift. There's no greater joy than the joy you have of exercising your spiritual gift, whatever that might be. If your spiritual gift is teaching, you have great joy in learning and studying and finding out what the truths are and then getting a chance to impart that to somebody else. If your gift is is service, you don't have any greater joy than to get to go serve somebody and to do something and minister to somebody whenever they're needing help. And if your person has a gift of mercy, you have a great joy to be able to go and love on somebody who's hurting and that you're able to bring them some peace and comfort in their life. Whatever God's calling you, you have walk out of there with a sense of joy, sense of joy and fulfillment, because you did what God called you and created you to do. That's a great, great feeling. It's kind of like any of you, I'm sure none of you men have ever done this, but have you ever had a situation where you, you needed to use a tool, but you didn't have that tool? You know, so you improvise. Have any of you ever tried to unscrew a screw with, a, with the end of a claw hammer? Have you ever tried to do that? Yeah. 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 What I'm simply saying is it is difficult to try to do something with something that's not created to do that with. But boy, isn't it great joy whenever you can get a screwdriver and, ha- and actually use a screwdriver that fits the screw head and unscrew it, rather than hitting your hand and scratching yourself up with a claw hammer you're trying to use as a screwdriver. Well, you, you, have, you have great joy when you get to do what, you're, what you were created to do. And, and you know, sometimes... Sometimes we miss some fulfillment in our Christian experience because sometimes we're not doing what God called on us to do, not what He created us to do. You know, we're doing something else that I'm really not that great at, but I'm trying to do it because somebody needs to do it. Versus the fact of saying, I want to do what God called me to do. I want to find out what it is God wants me to do and calls me to do, and I want to do that. And then trust that God will raise up somebody else. To do that. And one of the best experiences in my life was whenever I was in college and I'd been called to the ministry in my home church. They had that's when we had bus ministry. I remember bus ministry. We had three buses our church home church ran, and I was I was both the driver and the captain. That ain't supposed to be that way. But we didn't have anybody who helped, you know, and we'd go out on Saturdays and visit and everything, and on Sunday mornings pick them up and and I'm telling you, I was there. <laughs> I, I was doing all I could, working hard for Jesus, you know, and, and, and we couldn't get hardly any kids to come on that bus. We'd just go out there and we'd visit, we'd get anything. And I remember getting so frustrated about it. And, 
And, and the, Lord, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you need to give up bus ministry. Now, now, now y'all think exactly what I... When I heard, you need to give up bus ministry, I thought that was the devil. I mean, the devil would only tell me to do, give up bus ministry. Bus ministry is hard. Bus ministry, i got to go get those kids. Only, only, only the devil would tell me to do that. So, man, I resisted that and, and kept on. And, and, and the Lord just kept convicting me. He said, you need to give up bus ministry. You need to give up bus So, finally, I went to the pastor and I, told, I said, well, I don't really understand it, but I'm, I'm just supposed to give up this bus ministry and, and give it up driving the bus and captain the bus. And he said, okay, well, we'll miss you and everything else. Well, they didn't miss me. By the next Saturday, they had a bus driver and a new captain. They had two people, all right? And, and, and within about a month, they had about 20 or 30 kids on the bus. The problem was, I was in the way. I was in the way, doing what I ought to do, because everybody ought to do the bus ministry. Instead of doing what God called me to do, and trusting that He would raise up somebody who was a whole lot better at it than I was. See, some of the most difficult decisions you make in, in spiritual life are the negative ones. The ones that you let go because you're not doing what God's calling you to do. Yeah, that's right. Okay, here's, here's helpful to you. Where in the Bible are passages on the spiritual gifts? Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11 and 27 through 31. Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. And 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. The Lord knew that we needed help to be able to memorize this, just like my little Bible drillers do. So isn't that neat? He put Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 right next to each other, and both of them chapter 12, aren't they? Y'all got that? And then he put Ephesians chapter 4, and guess what 1 Peter is? Chapter 4. So if you'll just remember 12 and 4, and try to remember which one of those books go together, you'll be in good shape. But those four passages, those four books, are everything about spiritual gifts. And we'll, we'll be looking at each one of those, because they're different types of gifts. Look at the next thing. The exercising of your spiritual gift is not an indicator of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Please underline that three times, all right? The exercising of your spiritual gift is not an indicator of the filling of the Holy Spirit. God may honor the use of a gift even though that person is carnal. Okay? The real evidence of being filled is the presence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That is how you know you are filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, not the gift of the Spirit. Okay? Because, huh? Yeah. I'm telling you, you can exercise and use your gift, and God use it effectively in the kingdom work, and you can be as carnal as, as a goose. Huh? Yeah, that's a good example about that. I, I, I want to tell you, and, and let, me, let me say this to you, and, and I mean it very seriously. Do not measure your spirituality based on the effectiveness of your gift. 
In other words, don't feel good. Man, I tell you what, if I got up there and preached and five people got saved. Well, that's great and wonderful. That don't mean you're spirit-filled. <laughs> I don't mean you're spirit-filled. It just means God honored the gift in your life. <laughs> you can, in your life, use your gift, be a blessing to the kingdom, be a blessing to others, at the same time be condemning of yourself. Because you're doing it in your own strength, and God honors the gift. That's why, I know people know all these people, that's why you take a Jimmy Swaggart, okay? Okay, you take a Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart would go up there and play that piano all over the place, and he'd preach, and he'd preach the gospel message, and people got saved. I mean, they got saved. But Jimmy Swaggart was living an ungodly life at that time. That doesn't mean that those people who got saved under his preaching weren't saved. They still were saved. They're still alive. God still touched their life, called them unto salvation, and he was carnal. But he ain't the only one. I can get up sometimes and I might be as carnal as a goose too. And God still may honor the preaching of the word. But that don't mean I'm right. I still got to give an account of myself before the Lord. So do not, please, whenever you're, you teach that class and you're effective or you're counseling somebody and, boy, you gave them the right word and you showed great mercy and you had all the energy to go serve somebody and all those things and your administration skills are wonderful and you saw it from the beginning to end and you set it forth and everybody's excited about it. Don't let that make you feel spiritual if you're not. <laughs> Don't let that happen. Last thing, our approach to spiritual gifts is to identify three categories of spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 12, 4 through 7. They are the motivational gifts. There are seven of them located in Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. I believe that every person has a motivational gift and you have one. You have one. I'm going to lay those out for you. I'm going to identify those gifts, those characteristics of each one of those motivational gifts. I promise you, if you will come and you'll hear those, you are going to get nailed with them. One of them is going to, one of them is going to jump all over you and say, boy, that's who I am. He's been reading my mail. <laughs> because it's just the way it is. You have certain characteristics about you, certain strengths, certain weaknesses that happen. But everybody's going to have one motivational gift. That means that everything you do in the kingdom is going to be motivated out of that particular gift, that particular calling that God gave to you. Right? Everybody has one. Not two, one. Now, hold on a second. Well, I can't determine mine. I can't know. I got two of them real close. Well, the reality is the more mature you get, the more mature you grow, the harder it is ought to be for you to discover your gift. Why? Because who is the perfect example of every gift? Jesus. So if you're growing to be more like Jesus, then you ought to be growing to be more gifted in every one of those areas, right? So you ought to be, it ought to be more difficult for you to find out what is my motivational gift, but you'll find it. And then the second type of gifts are the ministry gifts. And they're identified in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31, and Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. Ministry gifts, you may have more than one. You'll have one, but you have more than, may have more than one, and they may change. You may not have the same ministry gift all of your life. You may have a ministry gift over here in this particular church, and God calls you somewhere else, and, and He may give you a different gift in that, and you may have more than one at a time, all right? And then the third thing is the manifestation gifts. 
And that list, that's listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. And those manifestation gifts are what it is that God does in the heart of people when the gifts are being exercised. That's the neat thing about the Spirit of God. We can come together and each one of us can hear the same sermon. We can hear the same teacher teach that lesson. All right? We can go through the same exhortation exercise of that one who's the counselor. We can all do that and we can all receive something different. Somebody may receive a word of wisdom they needed. Somebody may receive a word of knowledge that they needed. Somebody else may be convicted of sin. Somebody may have a word of faith that caused them to believe God. All of these things happening with one gift being exercised at one time. Why? Because the Spirit of God is able to manifest different gifts in the lives of those people who are there. And that's another reason to come to church. Amen? You want to come to church to sit under somebody, to be with somebody, to be ministered to by somebody, using their gift. Using their gift. Why? So that the manifestation of the Spirit of God can happen to me. Can happen to me. Some of the best sermons that I've ever gotten in my life to preach were when somebody else was preaching. And that sounds funny, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, it's like the windows are open whenever they're preaching. I can hear what they're saying, but what God's telling me about something else is, is totally different from that, but it's great. <laughs> because the manifestation of God's Spirit is taking place at that time. So we'll be focusing on those three types of gifts, okay? All right, we're going to launch from here and we'll begin that process, but I hope you're interested and I hope you're hungry and I hope you discover your spiritual gifts. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for the opportunity to share and bless us as we seek to know you better and use our gifts more effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week.